Good evening, everyone. Um, this is Ant here with another episode of Elite Rugby Banter, the podcast about rugby. Um, this is a special bonus Thursday episode being recorded. Um, yeah, so I suppose that feels lucky for you guys. Maybe not. Um, we'll see how this goes. Uh, but join me with me tonight, as has been the standard, is Andrew. Welcome. Hi, Ant. How's it going? Yeah, very well, thanks for yourself. Good, thank you. I think it's a good thing we're doing this pod because the last pod we were debating all these selections and we were so far off the mark because there were all these mystery injuries, but we'll get into that. I feel like that's, you know, just being far off the mark has been quite um, part of the course for us. So (laughs) at least we stick to our strengths. That's why they call us the B team. (laughs) I suppose that might be applying to the Springboks this weekend. As you say, we'll get into that. Um, And yes, uh, as a standard as well, we've got Phil with us as well. Hi, Ant. How's it going? Thanks for having me. No, very good. Um, I see Andrew's mixed up his drinks and he's going for wine instead of whiskey. I don't see your beer in the picture. Are you also trying out to be adventurous on this first day, is that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. S- SAB weren't coming forth with a sponsorship, so I thought I'd try a, a different tech. Okay. That's, I think we need to lean back onto the, the sponsorship plugging um, <laughs> strategies here. The, the, the A side never really got it right, so maybe we, if we can sell ourselves a bit better, um, you know, Andy can, can drop in a couple of mentions of the pod and on his Daily Maverick articles and see if that works. <laughs> yeah, that TOEFL rejection still hurts, I think. I mean, it, it guts me every time I watch the Greek, because it's like, it should have been us. You know. Well, they, they, they changed, right? They changed. Yeah, they're now. So what you're saying is there is a tafel sponsorship available. Uh, it's up for grabs, yeah. <laughs> okay. So so we're going to bring back from Monday's episode, we're going to bring back cars in the tafel segment. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to aim very hard towards that sponsorship. Um, yeah, but we're going to jump into, into the actual agenda for the day. Um, this is meant to be a short and sharp episode. But in the last um, recording, we, we had, as Andrew mentioned, a lot of speculation around what types of changes we'd like to see in the team. And when the team came out on Tuesday, there certainly were a lot of changes. Um, although I don't think any of them were the ones we were expecting. So. What is that noise? Sorry, Andrew, cut up there. <laughs> It's like a turbine happening somewhere. It's not a mine. <laughs> I think it must be full. Just mute yourself, Phil. Ah, it's full. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, look, it's taken us a month. We finally got into the teething problems, the technical issues that we've had um, before. So, <laughs> sorry about that. We'll, we'll just <laughs> step over that and pretend that that didn't happen. Um, anyway. Our team came out on Tuesday, and so we've been holding back on recording this just while kind of debating it. I think there was a lot of very strange selections um, on the face of it, but with a bit more information, you know, it seems that a lot of them injury enforced. Um, so potentially not as weird as they could have been um, until the other news broke out that apparently half these players were told that they were going to play this game anyway. So there's a bit of umming and aahing between is this rotation versus are these injury enforced, but 
And I think it, in general, there's probably a level of excitement to see what someone like David Rose can do at 10 and Cam Moody can do at 14. Um, and to maybe a lesser extent, Jesse Creel playing back as natural 13, where he hasn't actually played for the box in quite a while. Um, Andrew, what did you make of that side when it first came out? Uh, it was a hell of a surprise because I don't think they'd released the news about the various injuries in the squad up till then. So we weren't expecting that at all. I think we, we had called for quite a number of changes uh, and we got some of them um, that we wanted and the others were just completely out the blue. Uh, some some of them that we wanted, things like you know Jasper Visa coming back in, um, an actual right wing on the right wing, which is great. And we'll probably get into the fact that we've got our, our second youngest debutante in the professional era uh, and he's in the squad alongside Wim France, who not Malherba, Stain, um, who didn't have that much impact last week, but he was sort of not that match fit, and now he's covering fly half, uh, which is an interesting one behind Damien Willemse. So, yeah, lots of changes. I think nine changes overall in the squad, um, which is not unheard of in the Rasinianaba uh, era, but still some of them massive surprises. I think the, the forward pack... <clears throat> For me is very strong i think especially the tight five um kits off marks and malherber with lert and Eben and lert, lert and Eben have been consistent performers throughout despite the team not being so good um so that, that tight five i'm pretty happy with um many many people obviously happy about marks coming back into the fold in and starting role um yeah you know, dion ferry on the bench for his what is it his second springbok test um, in yeah, in a position that he hasn't played for quite some time, but apparently he's been training at Hooker. So lots and lots of changes and lots to talk about. Yeah, I'm full. Let's see, test out if your connection is back with us. And um, what was the biggest standout for you, and who are you most excited to see getting some game time this weekend? I think if I had to say someone now, sort of agreeing with Andrew in number 14, saying Moody. Um, we mentioned how we want to see a wing on the way, and he's the only option. So even if they were sort of forced into it, just to um, yeah, to see another, a young player coming in, hopefully he's going to put his hand up. Um, and then obviously having Billy at the back, hopefully to guide him around, just to ease him in, you know, give him that um, that sort of support that only Billy can do. Uh, I think yeah, I'm really excited. Even even if I don't agree with all the changes, and like we've said, you know, some of them have been forced by injury. It's just seeing you know, there's not many changes happening. It's like, gives a little bit of a freshness from the last two games where obviously the results haven't quite gone our way. And you, yeah, you seem particularly, and you're particularly miffed about the balance of the bench, eh? Yeah. Um, I think it's it doesn't make sense that, I mean, I, like I understand that we do have a lot, the lot, my biggest issue there is the lock cover. Um, you know, yes, we've got Franco playing at seven, so he can cover lock, but that means that no matter what happens, we're going to be having two tired locks at 80 minutes. Um, and I think I would have much preferred to have seen having someone like um, Murat on the bench instead of maybe, you know, it's tricky with Duane being there, but I probably would have gone with Murat and Kwaka. Then you can have got Kwaka that can play the Lucys, and you've got, I mean, you've got Dion for you can also cover Lucy. Uh, you know, so it's, I feel like we've, we've overextended on the, the Lucy replacements and not stocked up enough on the grand firepower. Um, 
which is yeah, that that's kind of my main concern there. Um, you know, I think even then between, I mean, it, it feels harsh to drop Quaffa after his you know, heroics last week, but I feel like between Dwayne and Dion Faree, you've kind of covered every position that Quaffa can cover, and I rather would have used a bit more bulk on the bench, have a, a proper block slash blind side um, there. So yeah, it's, it's it does feel a bit imbalanced. Um, Especially with Australia goes, remaining with their six-two, you know, so they are going to be bringing on dy- dynamism and energy in the last quarter. Um, although that didn't really work out for them last week when we, you know, kind of lifted the tempo and managed to actually come back in the second, also the last twenty. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely an interesting team. I think what, what Phil was mentioning of having Veli Rue fullback is really good just to bring that attacking dynamism. I think the season's been brilliant for Veli to show how much he. We miss him when, when he's not there. Um, but I think, so his support with Kane and Moody is obviously going to be brilliant. But also to take some of the um, playmaking, like, pressure off Damien Willemser at 10. Um, and Andrew's the resident Stormers fan. You know, Willemser came out of the blocks, obviously, as a 10 in his under 20 days and kind of has been moved slightly further away from the action. Um, I've never felt that he was a natural 10, but it's, he's definitely grown into senior rugby and particularly the last season. Um, how do you feel about him getting a run at 10? Um, with Pollard and Elton out, I mean, he is the natural third choice 10 in the squad at the moment. And Francois Dane being the fourth choice fly half is really scraping the barrel, but he's got to be there on the bench. Yeah, Damien's never, I agree, he's never really been a natural 10. He's got all the, the skills for it, but he, he seems to thrive um, slightly further away from from that, and I think he's been exceptional at fullback this season. Um, I I didn't really back him at the beginning to to make as much of an impact as he has, and he's not put Villy into retirement, but he's definitely sort of made that jersey his own. And I think what we will see on the weekend, and I'm sure they're practicing hard this week, is some tandem playmaking between Willemser and Larue. I think there'll be lots of instances where Billy steps up at 10 and um, Willemser is playing sort of off the other side of the, the, the breakdown or the scrum to create some sort of confusion and versatility. So we saw that against, was I think it was Wales when uh, Elton was pulled at halftime, was it? And yeah. he played 40 minutes at, at fly half because um, he was having such a torrid time. We actually did really, really well over that second half. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's not his natural position, but I think he's about the best we've got going there at the moment. And it's having him and Billy on the field has shown that it can pay dividends in terms of playmaking and um, creativity. And that's something the box have been sorely lacking the past few weeks. So bring it on. It's, it's actually quite interesting because it looked as if the last two games, when Willemse and Pollard were playing together, that Willemse was actually stepping in a first receiver to play off the Pollard, who was then giving the wider, flatter passes. Um, those types of passes, which are obviously Billy's bread and butter. So it might actually work out quite well, um, you know, without him having to, without Billy having to come from the fullback role into fly-off to then shift Pollard out, because he'll just be there already, and Billy can kind of come in when he wants um, and play off. So it'll be, I think, it, yeah, that is hopefully going to be very exciting. Hopefully it means we can get the ball into Moody's and... Um, Mpimpi's hands a bit more. I mean, we really would like to see Mpimpi have a storming game. I mean, he's been doing the things that he needs to do effectively this season, but definitely not the kind of 
explosive finishing we used to use to see from him in the past. Um, also, something I've just noticed now is, I mean, obviously we're aware of it, but you know, Fat has been dropped from the team. Um, you know, not even sitting on the bench. And again, how much of that is rotation? Because Jaden's obviously been you know, playing the big game so far this year. Um, that much of it's punishment for just a stupid brain fade. Um, but yeah, I suppose this was my other criticism of the bench is we're bringing another player back that hasn't played in six months to come get game time for the Springboks when Kuba was right off. And at least with Kuba, Kuba's like, he feels like one of those players that doesn't need time to get up to speed. Um, and I think he's a very hardworking player. Um, so I, and also, at least he's doing it off the bench. So it's maybe less of a concern than Dwayne against All Blacks. But it just it, it does always feel like the wrong place for players to be playing themselves back into, into form at Springbok level. Um, so yeah, that is, that is a slight concern. But I'm less worried about him than, say, France Day last week or Dwayne and Joe. It's it's a bit of a tough one though, like um, with these guys who have injuries and with the seasons as long as they are, just like when can they come back in? If they if they come back from injury just in time for the international season, you know there are no other games to give someone like Renner or even Bronstein. He got injured, so if they want to involve them, then it's either like wait until you get some club games under your belt or you know just don't play them at all. But um, yeah, I agree. I think Renner he's. He's always put his hand up every time, even if he gets like five, ten minutes off the bench. He, he always seems to make positive impact. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do when he comes on. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I seeing Mostert at seven. I'm. Do you guys think that there's like um, he's firmly Peter Steph's understudy, and we don't really, we're not really looking at anyone else, or do you think there are some other people who can possibly still put their hand up as that sort of um, our number seven, but the blind side position? I think that's what I was saying in the lead up to this game. So I much rather would have liked to see Elric Lowe playing at seven and then you put yeah. Franco on the bench. Because then you've, you've got Franco that can cover locks and loose forward, um, blindside, and you've given you know, someone that is an actual out and out Lucy um, game time in a much needed game. So that, I mean, that would have been my preferred play. Um, but yeah, which would have covered, as I said, both the, my reservations about not having a lock on the bench, but also giving an up and coming. Probably more natural seven than I think Franco is. I mean, Franco's definitely got the the work rate um, that he that he needs for the role, but he doesn't seem to have maybe the physicality um, or, or dynamism necessarily. Maybe that Peter Steph or, or Elric Lowe have. Um, you know, he doesn't seem to to be as influential with his work as opposed to just getting through a lot of it. Um, you know, if you compare him to say like a Marcus Kramer. He's not only making 28 tackles in the game, like half of those are dominant hits. I don't see Franco having that same kind of high-impact work rate um, that you know, someone like Peter Steck will do. Um, Reynard Alstad isn't with the squad, is he? No. Is he not? I thought he was selected, but he, yeah, he, he's another one that, that Nyanaba and Rusty have gone for in the past. I'm not a massive fan. I think I'd rather back a guy like Ulrich Lowe, who's, who's proven himself on South African soil. Um, and he's a young up-and-comer who no doubt has a future with the Springboks. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Franco's the kind of guy who, you know he's going to give his all every single game and every single minute and every single moment. But is he sort of our ideal person there? I, th- I think I agree with you. And someone like an Ulrich Lowe would have 
maybe had more impact and make more of the opportunity in terms of player development than a Franco Mostert would have. And and like you say, Franco would have offered uh, lock specialist cover off the bench. So some questionable ones there. And I mean, you, you mentioned last week, I think it was you, Ant, that Dwayne's unlikely to offer the same kind of impact off the bench as some of our other options. Um, I mean, he's, I mean, He's, the, he's a grind kind of player. He's not an impact player. Well, that, that, that point perfectly proven that this is the first time he's ever played for the bench for the Springboks in 63 tests. That's, you know? quite, a, that's quite a stat. <laughs> and, and I think we said earlier in the week, having guys the age of Duane and France, like their, their main sort of attribute is more at this stage, but less physical, almost more, you know, like um, for Duane, he's uh, like a defensive organizer in France, so Dane also brings so much like just mental... Um, experience and that sort of thing. So having these guys come off the bench, it sort of negates that more, what more of their strength these days. So, so yeah, bench options, it just seems like a bit of a waste, I agree. Yeah, so interesting. I mean, Duane, hopefully, maybe if he knows he only has to perform for 25 minutes, he can empty the tanks a bit more aggressively as opposed to kind of having to pace himself, especially as he's coming back from injury. Um, yeah, I'll be, you know, it's just, it, I suppose, you know, if you've got him and Quaka and Sadio and Free, they're all very high energy players. Um, you know, and then seeing the perfect antithesis with Dwayne coming off the bench, you probably won't be the same influence. But, I mean, looking at those, the, those bench options, you've got Dion Free, Quaka, Andrew, and you're all very serious over, over the ball threats. Um, mm-hmm. So that last 25 minutes, half an hour, uh, we might be looking at a lot of turnovers coming our way. And Australia are going to have to be very, very careful to securing their rock ball. I think it's quite exciting. Uh, yeah. Reinach, Reinach is also a player who injects a lot of energy, um, and Galant as well. Galant actually could be a great impact sub if he comes if he comes off. Um, I just don't. Is he going to go on for Moody? Is he going to come on for Villy? I'm not sure where he's going to come on um, for the most impact, but uh, he he does bring a lot of energy along with Reinach. Yeah, I think. I mean, look, Reinach's the, I suppose, typical um, opportunistic scrum off in terms of the intercepts, his breaks around the ruck. Um, so, you know, he's always sniffing around and looking at that. And Kalan's probably also more of a broken play player. Um, you know, he thrives when he's got loose defences and tired bodies. So, you know, potentially off the bench will also suit him a bit better. Um, but it's also nice to just see that we've got a scrum off that covers scrum off. We've got a player that can cover centre and fly up, and we've got a player that can cover wings and fullback. Like, we actually have proper designated cover for every position on the bench, um, which is you know something we haven't had for quite a long time. At least in the backs, as I said, we've, we've got our issues with the forwards, but yeah. you know. So we definitely we do have, everything. We definitely do have that cover, but this is probably like since the World Cup, this is probably the bench which is looking like the least we've seen in terms of a bomb squad. You know, um, I don't even know if they would call it a bomb squad this week, and we'll see in terms of the tactical way that they use the bench if it you know if it's the same sort of effect but like you were saying with guys um who are very good at going for turnovers that's not exactly what the bomb squad has been used for either and last week you know um getting possession of the ball wasn't really the problem it was doing things with that possession so we'll see we'll see if um that has been you know uh worked out a bit more so hopefully with the ball, we're just able to be a little bit more clinical. 
Yeah, I mean, I think those are some of the stats that came out of the last game. That what Australia had three or four attacking opportunities and they scored three tries. We had like 15 and scored two. So, you know, there's obviously a specific development South Africa is trying to improve our game in the way that we attack. Um, and that is causing us to be a lot less clinical than we otherwise would be, um, or have been in the past potentially. And so it's, you know, there's a whole debate, maybe we'll get into a Monday around, is Nunaba like using this year as an experimentation phase, putting plans in place for next year's World Cup, and not stressing that much about the results. Um, you know, obviously as fans, you want to see your team every win every year, but um, someone did a poll that asking which would you rather win get like a 70-60% win record between World Cups but win the World Cup or a 90% win record between World Cups but lose the World Cup and I mean overwhelmingly people said you know like lose every game between the World Cups as long as you win it so um, I think that's why there isn't that much pressure on you know I mean people are obviously upset about the results but no one's calling for his head as of yet I think they can see that there's a greater plan potentially at work Um, you know and, and the way that we dominated Australia Pretty much everything stats except the one that matters, which is horrible. Um, maybe talks to that. And you know, if you, we start getting these pieces clicking, you know, you bring in a Billyuri, you bring in a proper finisher on the right wing, um, you, know, you get maybe a slightly different sort of fly off, um, attack a bit better. You know, there's lots of small things that can make a big difference. Um, you know, if you again look at that first Wales test, we scored four tries in the second half against Wales, we were a notoriously good defensive side. So I think there's you know, there's definitely scope for optimism there and hopefully this weekend it can come off in our favour. My big concern at the moment is tactically are we going to be caught between two game plans? Like are we are we going to try and make Willems a play uh, a kicking territorial game um, against his natural instincts or or are we going to let the man just do what he does and if so I mean there's there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to between him and Vili to manage the territory and make those long raking kicks which are, neither of them are really known for for large kicks and obviously Willems is also going to have to take on the goal kicking um, duties which we haven't seen him do for quite some time so there's also that question mark as well. And in a tight game, that, that may be the win or the loss, depending on how things go. Um, there's obviously France staying on the bench, uh, but who knows how that's going to play out. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. I'm stressed about Phillips' um, kicking. Like, I mean, he, again, that first game as well, he kicked perfectly, you know, that memorable winner um, at the death. Um, he did miss one before that, though. <laughs> Just gloss over the details there. Just focus on the, the heroic moments. Um, yeah, look, it, it's, it's going to be a very different test, I think, either way. Um, I don't know if you guys have got final comments. I want to wrap up with a bit of a prediction now that we've actually seen the scoreboard. I mean, all three of us went for punches and Springboks last time, um, or pre-team sheet release. Are we sticking with those, given the, the, the changes we've seen to the team? <laughs> um, yeah, I... I I'm not super confident, but I, I gotta say I would still back this team to beat Australia. And maybe this is part of, um, you know, <laughs> in in as many games as we've lost in a row in Australia or not won, I think there was a draw in there. We probably like if we were doing this podcast before those games, I would think that almost every one of those we would have backed the Springboks to win just on paper. We like look at it and be like, 
got to win this, guys. We've got to beat Australia who don't look that strong. And that's what I'm feeling this week. Um, I think this team throws a big spanner into the works in terms of uncertainty and knowing what to expect. Um, and like Andrew said, in terms of even just the game plan. Um, so, yeah, I'm going for a Springboks one by you know, close margin, maybe like seven. But what do you guys think? Um, for me, we've got a really strong forward pack, and I think that's going to lay a good platform. And, you know, the game, rugby games are one up front. But there's so many unknowns now in this team. There's, there's combinations that haven't played together or haven't played together for a long time. There's Damien Willems at fly half. How's that going to work? We have finally three outside backs who actually help specialists in their positions. We have a center pairing who are actually relatively comfortable with each other. Um, and we have a creative fly half. It's tempting to say, like, what could go wrong? <laughs> and I think, I think the, the big impact is going to be, what is the bench going to do? And, that, and that's what I'm not so, so certain about. So I think I will, I'm, I'm slightly less confident than I was on than the last episode, but uh, I'm still also going to go close margin, maybe less than seven, maybe like three, four to the, to the spring box. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to agree with both of, of you guys there. I think the team does look settled in terms of players in the right places. Uh, up and down familiarity might count against us. Um, but John, also Phil's point about that expectation that we should beat Australia is, is common. Um, and it's, it's hard to overcome that bias there. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm also going to go for a, for a, a small book, slight book win. Um, yeah, we should touch on briefly the All Blacks uh, Argentina predictions. There hasn't been too much to update on there, given both teams are very, very similar to what was set up last week. Um, and there hasn't been too much noise out of those camps. Um, you know, Foster doesn't seem to be suddenly on the chopping block again. Um, but yeah, do you, have you guys seen anything that might suspect a, a change in result there? Or, or change from your predictions for the New Zealand bounce back? Well, New Zealand haven't made a single change as far as I'm aware. And I think Argentina made four, but the, the only one that really concerns me is their new star, loose forward, who they've taken off and put him on, on the bench um, after he's won them a couple of games. And he scored that incredible individual try last weekend, I think it was off kickoff, um, that actually like really won them the game and swung the momentum, I thought. So that one's a little bit of a concern for me. Um, they're going to need a, a moment of magic from someone again to win because I think the All Blacks are are not going to regress from where they were, but uh, they, they could pull off two in a row. I'm, I'm still, for some reason, going to back the All Blacks to pull off a, a tight one, though. <laughs> yeah, I think um, New Zealand, they have uh, Brody and Burden Barrett back on the bench, so no changes to the starting line, but some reinforcement on the bench. And as well as Argentina did last week, I, I I would struggle to see them do it two weeks in a row. Um, and I think having someone like Bowden coming on if the team struggling to break Argentina down, which is what they were doing last week, is going to make quite a big difference. Um, so yeah, New Zealand by 10, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think not many people would have predicted Argentina winning last week, though. So. You know, this this might just be a very different Argentina team to what we've seen 
past when they can actually stay in these high levels and yeah, I mean I, I think that's something we'd all like to see so I would love to see Argentina win it's, it's hard to back then so probably also win but I'll be a very very happy man on, on Monday morning um, if we could tune in with, a, with an Argentina win in the bank um, yeah you guys have any closing thoughts there before we wrap up Uh, just that uh, I want Argentina to win, but I also want Ian Foster to still have a job come the World Cup. So <laughs> I'm a little bit torn. For, for me, I think I would like to see New Zealand and South Africa win to make it like as close as can be in the table. So it's all to play for going into the last two games and then just, you know, have, have fun in the last two games and see what happens. If at the end of this week, it's all tied up on, on two wins each. Who's the favourite to take the trophy from there? Well, I mean, obviously Springboks play Argentina twice. It depends how weak or how lucky you feel Argentina have been in their wins so far. If you think Argentina are the weakest team, then obviously South Africa have a pretty good chance. But it's hard to say. And uh, New Zealand have beaten Australia so many times that you almost also feel that New Zealand should be able to get a couple of wins and, or at least one win. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Andrew, do you have a view there? Um, for me, that sort of depends on what team the Springboks choose to select. I think the, the other teams will will be a lot more consistent in their selections than we will. I think we're more likely to play some fresher, sort of newer, raw, raw talent uh, in our last two games because that's sort of what was indicated at the beginning of the tournament. And it'll be how that sort of very unknown team performs. So it's really difficult to make a call. I'd love it also to be even up after this round because that just it'll be great for for spectators, I think. Yeah, it can certainly um, you know, bring new light to the most competitive competition around. So you know, I think we we would all enjoy that and be able to rub it in the face of the Six Nations a little bit from that perspective. Uh, but. Cool. So we've got nothing more to, to add there. We will sign off and yeah, we will be back with you next week with potentially an exciting foreign guest. Uh, hope you guys will have a good evening. Cheers. 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 cheers.